turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the collection of Proverbs. Uh, we're going to uh, just hit some uh, Proverbs uh, throughout the sections that we've been reading since we started reading. I've been preaching out of the Psalms, but uh, we cannot neglect the, the wisdom literature of the Proverbs. And uh, I selected a number of them uh, as I went through, uh, just kind of uh, in hopes that they would each have a message and a ministry to us. I don't know if we'll get through all of them, but we'll uh, see how far we can go. And this morning, uh, to begin with, I'd like you to open to chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. You know, there are certain themes throughout the Scriptures that are repeated in different ways and in different places that are intended uh, to emphasize and underscore the, the truth that we need to really build into our hearts. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of those that summarizes uh, a body of truth that occurs in every uh, arena of our lives and it's uh, easy to memorize. In fact, probably half the people here this morning have memorized this. It simply says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Uh, there's another proverb that we may get to uh, that says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. It leads to death. And the point of that is, and we can find this same teaching in other books of the Old Testament, and we can find it throughout the New Testament, that God's ways are not our ways. I'm quoting Isaiah now. His ways are as high above our ways as the heavens are above the earth. Um, God doesn't do things the way we do them. He doesn't do them in ways that we think are logical all the time. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, I hear Christian people saying, well, we have to be uh, completely logical and we have to plan and uh, sometimes I get amused. Uh, they used to talk about a five-year plan, but uh, now uh, most of the literature uh, for pastoral leadership is talking about having a 10-year plan. I don't know what God's going to do in 10 years. He hasn't told me that. Uh, Steve Green's uh, sang a song a number of years ago that was very popular, and basically the gist of the song was, uh, I don't have to know where I'm going. I just have to take the next step. And if I'm taking the step that you have a, uh, appointed to me, then I'll be where I need to be in five years or ten years. Well, this proverb says, don't lean on your own understanding. There are times when things just seem to be so reasonable to us and they're entirely wrong. And, and so the writer of Proverbs, in this case Solomon, in, the, in this section, says, In all your ways, 
acknowledge God. In other words, invite Him into the process and He will direct your path. There's nothing that we do that we shouldn't pray about. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not to brush your teeth. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, you've kind of built some habits into your life that are reasonable. But I'm talking about decisions that you make, big and small, to invite God into those decisions. Because He wants to give you guidance and direction. And you don't know whether the logical step you're going to take today is not going to take you far off the path where you need to be in six months. And if you stop long enough to ask God, He will give you direction. And He will point out the way that you need to choose today. And you may not always understand why. But down the road, in retrospect, you will look back and you will see why. You know, I've been... uh, pastoring now for 40 years, and I have been following the Lord for a bit longer than that. I was, in fact, seven years old when I gave my heart to Christ, but uh, it was later on, about 10 years later, when I made an intelligent uh, choice to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and the director of my life, and um, there were some strange things along the way that happened that I have wondered about, you know, at least at the time. Now, from this vantage point, looking back, I see the amazing wisdom of God. I see why His hand led the way that it did. I see why His choices were the way that they were. And... That's what the writer of Proverbs is saying to us. In everything you do, in your decisions, acknowledge God and He will give straight paths for your feet. Well, let's go over to Proverbs chapter 10. We're going to take a jump in verse 19. And there's a lot that the Proverbs has to say about the mouth (laughs) and the tongue. Uh, There are a lot of Proverbs about words. And one of the ones that's one of my favorite is, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Um, Some of us carry that to the extreme. I I guess uh, I have a problem in not speaking when I should uh, all the time. But the, the truth is that the proverb is saying to us, if you're always running your mouth, you're going to put your foot in it. It's just going to happen. Transgression is unavoidable. And it may be in a way that that does not turn out well for you. Um, There's a lot in the Proverbs that has to do with keeping your counsel, opening your ears, closing your mouth, paying attention, being sensitive to what's going on around you, and, and not being a person of a lot of words. 
because if you are always talking, you're going to get in trouble. Uh, you're going to say something that you didn't mean to say. Proverbs 11, 11 to 14 is the next section I'd like to look at. Um, by the blessing of the upright, we're just going straight through, by the way, so you don't have to turn back and forth. We're just headed toward the end. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. There's that mouth again. He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is a victory. Why do you suppose that the person who despises his neighbor lacks sense? Well, you live next to him. And you got to live there. And, and if you're harboring all of this ill will in your heart, you're messing up your own yard. You're creating a problem within your own neighborhood. And you have to live in the middle of that problem. Uh, that's not a very bright idea. And the one that um, despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. The one goes about as a talebearer, reveals secrets, but the trustworthy conceals the matter. Now, we're not talking about covering up crime here. We're talking about refraining from gossip. The person that gossips as a talebearer, that's always uh, betraying what the neighbors are doing, or the friends, or whatever, the gossip is a person who is going to create problems for themselves and for everyone else. But a trustworthy person is one who keeps the confidence. Let's say that you legitimately mess up. I mean, you you yourself have done something really stupid, okay? And, and you've messed up. Do you want everybody to know about that? Wouldn't you rather that kind of just stay buried? You know, remember those occasions uh, when to think back on it even still makes your face turn red? Do you, remember, do you have those kinds of situations? I do. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I did that. Well, I don't want the circle of knowledge any bigger than it was at the moment. Just please do me the favor of keeping my confidence and not making me out to be the fool that I am. You know, protect me a little bit. Well, if you want that, what do you suppose others want? Don't they want and deserve the same kind of protection? Don't they want you to give them some room to make a mistake once in a while? Don't they want you to be sensitive to them and forgiving and overlook their faults? Isn't that what the scripture really says in the golden rule? Uh, do unto others... 
the way you want to be treated. That's what it really means. It doesn't mean do to them what they do to you. (laughs) It means do for them what you want done for you. Treat them the way you want to be treated. Because otherwise you become an untrustworthy tail-bearer. And uh, there's another proverb that we'll probably get to in a minute, but let me just say this here. Don't you suppose that when you're in that little coffee gathering and people are talking about their other neighbors or friends and they're going on and, and all the juicy gossip is being shared, and you're part of that little inner circle getting all the late news, what do you think happens when you're not there? Guess who they're talking about now? Listen, a person who reveals secrets to you is not to be trusted. You don't need their friendship. (laughs) You definitely don't want them to know anything about you. You don't want to open your heart to them because a gossip is a gossip is a gossip. And it doesn't matter whom they're gossiping about. They're going to be talking about somebody. And if you're not there, you're it. And that's the way it goes. And Solomon, I don't know, you know, well, the scripture says that Solomon asked for wisdom. It starts to say, I don't know where he got all this wisdom from. Well, yes, I do. Uh, He asked God to give him wisdom. He wanted to be a wise man. And God gave him a lot of wisdom. And wow, uh, it really behooves us to pay attention. And and you know, one lesson from Solomon's life, by the way, is that uh, he didn't take all the wisdom he had. He didn't always employ his own understanding. And it cost him. Uh, You can be wise and act stupidly. And um, you need to kind of think about that because being a wise person doesn't mean you always make wise decisions uh, if you don't take your own counsel. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Um I know that's a word. There, there are certain cultures and languages where stupid is a really, really, really bad word. Um, but so is fool. And the Proverbs uses these two words quite liberally in a very literal sense. People can be fools and they can be stupid. To be ignorant is not stupid. To be ignorant means you haven't learned something yet. And the proverb says, if you love discipline, if you love training, you love knowledge. You can grow. You can learn. You can develop. But if you don't want to be challenged or reproved or corrected, you're going to be stupid. And and this is not talking about a mental capacity kind of thing. This is talking about an attitude of the heart. It's not not a, a, a learning disability. 
It's a willful rejection of correction and training and reproof. And if you persist along those lines, the proverb says, you're going to turn out to be stupid. Because you're not teachable. No one can tell you anything. They can't correct you. You need to listen and pay attention. But if you're the kind of person that accepts discipline, and discipline here is not, you know, we're not talking about corporal punishment. We're talking about any kind of training, any kind of development, any kind of challenges and and reproof and instruction so that as you work around people and they help you and share their knowledge with you and you listen and take it in, you're growing and you're learning and you're going to become a wise and mature person. But if you don't like to be corrected, you're going to have big trouble. Going on down to verse 15 in chapter 12. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to counsel. You know people like this, right? They're always right. You can't tell them a thing. They know exactly how it ought to be done. Uh, They could educate everybody on the proper way to do something. It's their way. They're always right in their own eyes. But a wise man is the one who listens to the input of others. The one who makes themselves open to training and correction. Uh, Moving to chapter 13. The one who guards his mouth, verse 3, preserves his life. But the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Uh, I won't mention any names, but I have a person in my life that I'm trying to teach to talk less. <laughs> I'm trying to get them to understand you don't have to say everything you know. Uh, you're not being dishonest by withholding information, particularly when people do not have a right to know it. They don't have a reason. I'm not talking about lying by evading the truth and deliberately misleading someone to draw a different conclusion. That's a, a veiled form of a lie. What I'm talking about is running your mouth incessantly and spilling everything you know to everyone. That's going to come back and bite you. There's no way to avoid people learning so much about you that you have no maneuver room left. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. But the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. 
People don't have to know all your business. They don't have to know all your secrets. They don't have to know all the details of your life. Uh, unless they're a counselor to you and someone who's helping you and they're trustworthy. Solomon says, you need to put a guard right here and think before you talk. Is this something that needs to be said and that they need to know? Let's look at Proverbs 14.4. Oops, I'm going to skip that one. 14.12. There's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I mentioned that in conjunction with lean not on your own understanding. There are many things that seem right to us. They, they seem to make sense. And they lead to destruction. We need to make prayer as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We need to make prayer a component of all our choices. So that we are having the Lord's direction and guidance in that. Look down at verse 29. Now, there's a series of Proverbs here that kind of go together. I think I'll read them all and then we'll talk about them. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. And look at chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. You've heard me mention before from 1 Corinthians 13, where uh, your Bible says love is not easily angered. And the, the words love is not easily, that adverb is in italics. You know what italics means when it occurs in the Scripture? It is a word which the translators have added that was not in the original because they felt that it made more sense to the translation. I have studied the Greek of that passage. And there is nothing in the sentence that suggests to me that it ever included an adverb or anything like it implied. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is not angered. So if you're angry, and it's not righteous anger, and you've got to be careful how you define that, because we can all find an excuse to justify our anger. Righteous anger means you're angry at the effects 
or the, 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 the propagation of sin, which is destructive in some way, and you're yearning for the righteousness of God to prevail in a situation that is wrong because of sin. But when somebody just ticks you off, chances are they have gotten in your way in some fashion. And they have messed up your goals and your objectives. And as a result of that, you have become angry. And the scripture says, love is not angered. These Proverbs are very fascinating. He who is slow to anger has great understanding. But a quick-tempered, but the one who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Are you slow to anger? Whoops, I'm going the wrong way. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When you find yourself in a conversation that becomes spirited, and all of a sudden the debate of ideas has stopped, and you can tell that Someone or some people are getting upset and angry and they're beginning to go on the offensive. And they're starting to attack. You know what I'm talking about with that? You've all been in them. But did you recognize what was going on? People that go on the offensive and start to attack begin picking at you, the person, or someone else as a person. They're no longer trying to get to the bottom of a disagreement. They're trying to win by destruction, <laughs> by uh, humiliation, by somehow or another uh, wounding the spirit. And the topic goes far off the rails. You know, you might have been talking about something to do with the checkbook and out comes the statement, I never liked your hair anyway. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? And all of a sudden, you're not even on the topic anymore. That can happen in a myriad of ways. That means I've been wounded and now I'm, it's payback. I'm throwing grenades. When that happens, what do you do? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Somebody has to be the adult. Hate to say it that way, but that's the fact. So may as well be you. You decide to be the adult <laughs> and find a gentle answer. Find the oil for the waters that are troubled. Find a way to settle things back down. Maybe you need to revisit this another day. 
I could spend volumes on this because people that think they want to revisit it another day are usually dodging. Uh, they don't want to face the, the music, so that's another thing. But a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. The slow to anger calms a dispute. So much wisdom in this, in how to live life among people without being obnoxious and, and stupid and, and selfish and focused on your own way. There's just an abundance of direction in the Proverbs for that. Maybe we have time for one more and then we'll uh, move to something else. Verse uh, chapter 18. And verse 13. Well, this is interesting because it's on the same kind of subject. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Ever have conversations with people that won't let you get a word in edgewise, as we say? They just keep going and you just cannot wedge in a concept no matter what. And it's like, oh, man. They ask a question, they don't pause for an answer. Uh, they're always driving their point. They're always going, going for their point. And so, the scripture says, he who gives an answer before he hears, it's folly and shame to him. In conversation, we need to give ourselves the opportunity to listen to what people have to say, and then hopefully they will stop and give you an opportunity to respond. And when you respond, you need to respond thoughtfully after you've heard the whole scenario, the whole argument, the whole discussion. You need to get the whole picture. That's what Solomon is saying. And instead of waiting for your chance to talk, you need to be waiting for them to finish the story so that when what they were looking for it comes up, the opportunity to speak, you have a chance to thoughtfully respond. So many conversations are just two people beating their gums at one another. And nothing ever comes of it. Because it doesn't go in any meaningful direction. You have to have a listening ear when you're listening. And you have to be able to state your case when it's your turn to talk, and you need to be able to evaluate what's been said. That is a thoughtful kind of conversation where you can pursue a matter until you begin to come to some conclusions. 
Or maybe you come to the conclusion that you can't decide today. This is not the time to settle this. But I want to hear, I want to know, and I don't want to answer too quickly, because if you answer too quickly, you really don't know what you're talking about yet. Have you been enjoying reading the Proverbs? Aren't they interesting? There's so many different nuggets. And I think I've said this to you before, but I want to say it again. Whatever station of life that you're in, uh, I encourage you to look at the Proverbs from that perspective. Are you a spouse, a husband, or a wife? Are you a parent? Are you in those middle years where you're caring for your parents and your uh, teenagers? Where are you in the process? Are you working in a tough environment? Do you go to work in a toxic workplace every day? And by toxic, I mean uh, people-wise toxic. How do you handle that? Are you a business owner? Are you a manager? Are you an employee? You can take every one of those topics and you can read through the Proverbs and three by five cards still have a place. You can take a three by five card and write down the proverb that applies to your situation as you come across it and give it a topic or give it a title. I think I told you many times I taught a class called Proverbs for the Businessman several times. And that was looking at all the Proverbs from the perspective of business ownership or senior management. Because I was in a Bible study of of men who were in that position. They either owned their companies or they were uh, senior executive officers. And they wanted to honor the Lord. And so we went through Proverbs from the perspective of a business person in charge of a company or a large division. What do the Proverbs have to say? How can I apply the Scriptures to my workplace? Just using basic wisdom from the Scriptures. And it's amazing what God will show you out of the Proverbs. They are filled with nuggets of insight and understanding. And if you create a a little index directory of those things and topics, uh, you know, then you can look that up when the time arises. I mean, we had things like marketing and hiring and firing and employee relationships and all those kinds of things that come up in business. Um, And the question is, is there a proverb that addresses the situation? And you'd be surprised how they apply. And the same proverb that it may apply one way in business will apply another way as a parent. And you will find that they can be built into several areas of your life that they will be helpful. And I hope that it's a great blessing to you. 